Chapter 50 of Fairy Fingers by Anna Cora Mowat Ritchie. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Kelly Taylor. Chapter 50 A Secret Divine. Take care, the dawn will be jealous, exclaimed Mr. Walton, as he witnessed his wife's greeting of Maurice a greeting as tender as a true mother could have bestowed. When Ronald was a boy, he would rush about like one gone mad if his mother ever ventured to take another child upon her knee. He would never have his throne usurped. Our dawn was always a monarch of all he surveyed. This jocular appellation of the dawn Mr. Walton had bestowed upon his son on account of his early propensity to fight moral windmills and the quixotic zeal with which he espoused the cause of the weak and the fair this knight-errant proclivity ripened from the quixotism of boyhood into the chivalrous devotion which had manifested itself in his somewhat romantic friendship for maurice a friendship productive of such happy results to the young vicomte Ronald replied, My affection has gained a victory over my jealousy, as Maurice discovered some years ago. I have just given him new evidence of that fact by accompanying you and my mother to Washington, in the hope of seeing him. Did you really come for my sake? asked Maurice, much moved. Mrs. Walton answered, How could we help? being distressed about you your letters were so unsatisfactory i shall know more of your true state in one tete-a-tete one good long heart talk than i could learn by a thousand letters after this declaration ronald and his father jestingly pronounced themselves de trop and departed maurice had long since given mrs walton his full confidence and now to sit and relate the events that had transpired during his stay in washington was a heart unburthening which lightened his oppressed spirit it seemed to him as though some ray of hope must break through the clouds which enveloped him if her clear steady vision closely scanned their blackness she might discover some gleam of light which he could not perceive when he finished the narrative she asked and you have no suspicion who this mysterious lover can be no clue to her identity not the faintest answered maurice but since you have seen madeleine at all hours of the day since you have resided in her house she could not have evinced a preference for any gentleman without your perceiving the distinction she evinced no preferences no gentleman was upon intimate footing except monsieur de bois who was engaged to bertha much to madeleine's delight monsieur de bois you tell me continued mrs walton has been her devoted friend during all these years that she has been separated from you have you not been able to learn something from him i have too much respect for madeleine to force from another a secret which she refuses to impart to me but i am quite certain that if monsieur de bois knows whom madeleine has blessed with her love bertha is still in ignorance bertha would have told me at once mrs walton mused a while then said 
I do not see any loose thread by which the mystery can be unraveled. But you will, of course, make me acquainted with your Madeleine. My Madeleine, began Maurice bitterly. I called her yours involuntarily because your heart seems so wholly to claim her. She will receive me, will she not? Gladly, I am sure. Then we will go tomorrow. There were too many chords of sympathy which vibrated responsively in the bosoms of Mrs. Walton and Madeleine, too many planes upon which they could meet, for them to remain merely formal acquaintances. It was Madeleine's nature to treat those with whom she was thrown into contact with a genial courtesy which rose to kindness, often to affection, but it was only to a few that she really threw wide the portals of her large heart. Mrs. Walton's devotion to Maurice was claim enough for her to be ranked among the small number whom Madeleine admitted to that inner sanctuary. On the other hand, Mrs. Walton was by no means impulsive in forming friendships. Her existence had been brightened by very few. She had much constitutional reticence. She enjoyed a secluded life. She was not dependent upon others for happiness. A rich, inexhaustible wellspring of joy, the one joy of her days, flowed in through her son, and that pure font was all-sufficient to water the flowers that sprang in her path. Maurice had wakened her womanly compassion, first because Ronald had found in him a brother, next because he was motherless and almost heartbroken, and finally because his noble attributes won her admiring affection. But although Mrs. Walton had no facility in making friendships, when she did become attached, it was with a sympathetic and absolute devotion which extended itself involuntarily to the beings who were dear to those she loved. Thus her attachment for Maurice awakened an affection for Madeleine before they met, and when she clasped Madeleine's hand and looked into her fair face, the reserve she invariably experienced towards strangers at once melted away, and in their very first interview these two responsive spirits drew near to each other with a mutual sense that their intercourse must become closer and closer. Madeleine had frequently seen Ronald when, habituated as the Sieur de Bon Secure, she kept nightly vigil by the bed of Maurice, and Ronald had marked the classic features of the Holy Sister and quickly recognized them again when he was presented to Mademoiselle de Gramont. After Mrs. Walton had visited Madeleine, Ronald persuaded her to call with him on Mademoiselle de Merivelle. Bertha received her quondam partner of the dance with much warmth and vivacity, but the countess looked with freezing hauteur upon these American friends of her grandson. Though Mrs. Walton was naturally timid, she was unawed by the countess's assumption of superiority. Her self-respect enabled her to remain perfectly composed and collected, and to appear unconscious of the disdain with which she was treated. This initiative visit was quickly followed by others, and Mrs. Walton proved how little she dreaded the Countess by inviting Bertha to dine with her. "'I shall be delighted to go,' said Bertha. "'That is, if my aunt does not object.' 
rather tardily remembered answered the countess with acerbity better late than never retorted bertha gaily so my dear aunt you will not say no the countess would gladly have found some reason for refusing but none presented itself and bertha was sufficiently self-willed to dispute her authority it was therefore impolitic to make an open ejection monsieur de bois also received an invitation maurice and madeleine joined the little circle in the evening a delightful surprise to bertha and gaston this was the first evening that madeleine had passed out of her own dwelling during her residence in america she had necessarily renounced society when she adopted a vocation incompatible with her legitimate social position but on this occasion she could not resist mrs walton's persuasions and perhaps the prompting of her own inclination once more madeleine's vocal powers were called into requisition she was ever ready to contribute her might so she termed it towards the general entertainment and she would have despised the petty affectation of pretended reluctance to draw forth entreaty or give value to her performance her voice had never sounded more touchingly mournfully pathetic and her listeners hung entranced upon the sounds maurice drank in every tone and never moved his eyes from her face but when the soft cadences sank in silence what a look of anguish passed over his manly features and told that the sharp bayonet of his life's sorrow pierced him anew he turned involuntarily towards mrs walton and met a look of sympathy not wholly powerless to soothe mr walton was loud in his praises of madeleine's vocalization he had a courtier's facility in expressing admiration never more genuine than on the present occasion we must not be so ungrateful as to forget to offer mademoiselle de gramont the only return in our power however far it may fall short of what she merits said he the don here does not sing he is not a poet even except in soul and all his inspirations flow through his brush but he interprets poets with an art which i think is hardly less valuable than the poet's own divine afflatus madeleine delighted seized upon the suggestion and solicited ronald to favour the company his mother placed in his hands a volume of mrs browning's poems and he turned to that surpassingly beautiful romance lady geraldine's courtship ronald was one of those rare readers gifted with the power of filling at pleasure the poet's place or of embodying the characters which he delineated the artist's rich sonorous voice obeyed his will and was modulated to express every variety of motion while his animated countenance glowed flushed paled grew radiant or clouded with the scene he described a master spirit playing upon a thoroughly comprehended instrument manifested itself in his rendition of the author all eyes were riveted upon him as he read he possessed in an eminent degree the faculty of magnetizing his hearers taking them captive for the time being and bearing them as upon a rising or falling wave whither he would as the tale progressed the silence grew deeper and save ronald's voice not a sound was to be heard except now and then a quickened breath 
and bertha's low sobbing for she wept as though bertram had been one whom she had known mrs walton's eyes had been fixed upon her son with an expression of ineffable soul-drawn delight but just before the poem drew to a close they stole around the circle to note the effect produced by his masterly reading upon others every face mirrored such emotions as the poem might have awakened in minds capable of appreciating the noble and beautiful but by madeleine's countenance she was forcibly struck a marble pallor overspread her visage her eyes were strangely dilated and filled with moisture if the lids for a moment had closed the silver tears must have run down her cheeks as freely as lady geraldine's but when ronald came to the passage where lady geraldine thrills bertram with joy by the confession that it was him who she loved though he had never divined that love him only madeleine's lips quivered and with a sudden impulse which defied control she covered her face with her hands as though she dreaded that her heart might be perused in her countenance it was a wholly involuntary action repented of as soon as made for she withdrew her hands immediately but the spontaneous movement spoke volumes as mrs walton watched her a sudden flash of clairvoyance revealed a portion of the truth and she ejaculated mentally the man whom madeleine loves is unaware of her love as bertram was of lady geraldine's this suggestion born in the undercurrent of her thoughts floated constantly to the surface awaiting confirmation if her belief were well grounded one step was taken toward fathoming the secret which madeleine had doubtless some motive for preserving but which mrs walton's sympathies with maurice made her earnestly desire to bring to light madeleine might have conceived a passion for one whom she would never more meet or for one who was unconscious of her preference though that seemed hardly possible under ordinary circumstances mrs walton would have been one of the last persons to take an active part in searching out the hidden springs of any human actions but she was so deeply interested both in maurice and madeleine that a strong desire to be of service to them made her break one of the rules of her life a wise rule perhaps so far as it frees one from responsibility yet a rule which generous and impulsive spirits will often disregard in the hope of wafting into a drooping sail some favourable breeze that will send the ship toward a wish-for port it chanced the very next day when mrs walton was visiting madeleine that the latter was summoned away and as she left the room she said i will not long be absent here are books with which i hope you can amuse yourself they had been sitting in madeleine's boudoir mrs walton's chair was close to madeleine's desk upon the desk lay several volumes probably those which had been last in use mrs walton made a haphazard selection and took up a little sketch-book her interest was quickly awakened when she found that it contained sketches which were doubtless madeleine's own there was the chateau of count tristan de Gramont at rennes and the remarkable little chalet 
the chateau of the marquis de merivelle and sketches of other localities in her native land of which she had thus preserved the memory then followed fancy groups composed of various figures apparently illustrative of scenes from books but mrs walton could not be certain of the unexplained subjects one familiar face struck her a most perfect likeness of maurice it was unmistakable prominent in every group though in different attitudes and costumes was that one figure maurice still maurice throughout the book mrs walton was pondering upon this singular discovery when madeleine entered she flushed crimson when she saw the volume the visitor was examining and said in a confused tone taking the book from miss walton's hands i thought i had locked this old book in my desk how could i have left it about it only contains old sketches of remembered places and similar trifles not worth your contemplation i found them very beautiful replied mrs walton and the likenesses of maurice are perfect of maurice was all that madeleine could say her agitation increasing every moment yes i could not understand the subjects but his face and form are admirably depicted you have a true talent for making portraits madeleine could not answer but as mrs walton glanced at her conscious and troubled countenance woman's instinct whispered it is maurice whom she loves End of chapter 50